0: This is uh, ISKCON, International Society for Krishna Consciousness. was founded by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada in 1965 for the purpose of re-spiritualizing society. There are other specific purposes, and they would be enacted by the members who are all volunteers working to help people all over the world to have a better society and to individually improve themselves. So here we started in 1998 at ISKCON of Silicon Valley and we're dedicated to the core principles of the international society. One of them is to uh, maintain a center so that people can come and experience the spiritual atmosphere and also take up the practices of Krishna consciousness. So if any of you are listening uh, at home and you're interested in the practice, we have ways that you can join and learn online. For instance, Bhakti community is a thriving online community, especially for now during the pandemic. And uh, also we welcome everyone who's nearby to come and visit us here and uh, learn the basic practices of, of bhakti yoga or Krishna consciousness. One of the main practices is the chanting of the divine names of Krishna. Krishna is a name for God, which means all attractive. And by repeating the names, one will naturally experience light in one's life and a purification of the heart. As the great teacher of bhakti-yoga, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said over 500 years ago, ceto Marjanam, that by the process of sankirtan or the chanting of the holy names one experiences a cleansing of the heart. What might that feel like? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt forced to do something by your own compulsion? that you didn't really want to do? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This is a natural phenomena that Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita when Arjuna asks him, Arjuna is the student of Krishna, and asks, well, what is it that forces me to do things that I know are not good for me, but I do them anyway? And Krishna answers that it, it's a kind of force that's here in this world That's born out of one of the modalities. That's most prominent called the Rajagun. and there's a science he he explains that if You in any way involve yourself with Rajagun There are activities. There are people who are in Rajagun. There's food There are kinds of work that are more situated in Rajagun and if you are in contact with those, then you'll start emulating that, that mode. In fact, it will be in you, in your senses, in your mind, and so forth. So he said there's a way to bring oneself out of that situation and be a free thinker, be independent of the forces of nature that make us do things that we don't Want to do or that we actually see are bad for us. And he said, first of all, that we should become aware of the fact that we're not our bodies. There's a hierarchy he describes in a verse in the Bhagavad Gita Indriyani Priyanyahur Paramanaha Marasastu Yo buddhe Saha. That there's the sense objects and then the senses, and above the senses is the mind. Above the mind is the intelligence and above the intelligence is the living force or the soul. And he said you should become aware of the fact that you're not the senses and you're not the mind, not the intelligence. However, um, he said if you cultivate that knowledge and fortify your intelligence then it will give you a, a, a standing against these Strong forces. Evambuddhi Parambuddhva. So, buddhi means intelligence. When you get your intelligence strong, you get your mind right with God, as they say some places. Evambuddhi Parambuddhva Samstabhyatmanamana Jahi Shatram Mahabaho Kama Rupam Durasadam. Means that you can fight against this force handily if. You become aware through your intelligence that I'm not my body and so forth Then you can very deliberately take to practices of bhakti yoga Through which you'll start to diminish the effects of the raja in your life You'll notice just like when you notice The diminishing of a, a disease if you've ever had a condition and you feel like Okay, I'll probably have this forever I'm finished. And then you go to a doctor. And the doctor says, well, if you take these tablets, I think you can get better in due course of time. It's like, what's due course of time? Well, sometimes it takes a month. Sometimes it takes two months. So all right, I'll try it. Trust the doctor. You take the medicine. And on day 29, you still feel terrible. And you think this isn't going to work. But then the 30th day, I think I feel... I don't know, yeah, no, something, no, that's nothing. But they, 31, it's like, yeah, I think I'm a little better. And someone said, are you feeling better? It's like, I think so. And then by increments, one begins to notice that the symptoms are diminishing. So spiritual practice is similar. In the beginning, we have to fortify our intelligence to understand that there is a doctor, there is a cure. I can depend upon it. And if I am diligent and go on, then the disease can be conquered. And when one begins to feel better, there's a description of this in the Srimad Bhagavatam Tada Rajas, Tamo Bhava, Kama Lobadaish. Daishche, Chaita Satve Prasidati, which means that at that time when the, there's a diminishment of the Rajagun, then you'll start to notice it. And the way Srila Prabhupada, our founder, in his commentaries on this verse puts it is that you'll notice that the pinching, that is the pinching that is the kind of uh, stimuli we're getting from our senses saying, do this, do that, it starts to diminish. We're not pinched so hard. And we'll start to notice for ourselves. Another example is given in the Srimad-Bhagavatam, which compares the awakening soul to somebody who has been very hungry and then eats food and feels nourished, satisfied, and notices that his or her hunger is going away. And in a similar way, as we continue the practice of Krishna consciousness, we'll feel satisfied unto ourselves. We don't need a certificate from the outside saying that we're better. We know. We can see. And we also feel naturally detached from the kinds of things that before would have stuck to us or we would have stuck to them inordinately. And to say, why am I doing this? I can't stop. Why am I doing it? I can't stop. But that phenomena becomes... Um, diminished and we're able to move forward in the process of uh, Krishna consciousness with determination stitam satve prasiddhiti means that we have a place to stand we can stand on our own two feet so this is the benefit of coming to this kind of Silicon Valley it's solely designed to give everyone an opportunity to take the simple processes of bhakti yoga into their lives, and also get support from a community of others. And you can do it either by coming in here, or going online and joining our bhakti community, or both. And there are plenty of books that anyone can read, if you like to read, that, that will fortify your intelligence, as I described earlier, so that you'll feel that you have an ally right close at hand. Because it's one thing talking about it, but when you get back in your house, what to speak of in your room with the door closed, and there's nobody else around, and then you're alone with your mind, you may need an ally. So good to surround yourself with the, sh- the books that are there specifically speaking to you and to me and to everyone else, saying, you can do this. You, you're definitely up for the task. In due course of time, you can rise. And we need that, right? Say yes. Yes. Yeah, always say yes as hard as you can when (laughs) there's an opportunity. Okay, so let's try a little chanting, and then we'll talk about one of the principles of of the um, spiritual mindset, or what is desire? What are the different qualities of desire? And it's an important topic because we can't stop desiring, but we can change the quality of our desire so that it becomes highly productive instead of destructive. Chanting? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, right. Now, just in case anybody still has clangers, a clanger is a set of cartels that sounds like somebody's beating on two tin cans instead of a sweet sound. So I'll leave, in case anybody pulls out clangers, we may give you a ticket, take away your clangers. We do have a furnace where we're gonna melt them down, but we won't leave you empty-handed. We do have replacements. I have two here and I have more at home. they were hand-picked by Havi Prabhu. He sat for hours in a little shop in Navadweep and tried every cartol in the store to make sure that they <laughs> were okay, and that they resonated with one another. So that's two of them right there. Thank you. So we begin the chanting process today by offering prayers to the founder, Asharia. That means the teacher who brought us Krishna Consciousness and started the Krishna Consciousness Movement, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and the, the first two prayers are off, we offer to him, and then we say a prayer to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the incarnation of Krishna, who opened the door for the whole world to understand how to enact the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita in one's personal life. Then we'll chant, a mantra called the Maha Mantra, the Hare Krishna Mantra, which is three words, Hare Krishna and Rama, all highly potent, spiritually potent names of the Supreme. And in combination, it's a kind of prayer that says, O oh my Lord, O oh energy of the Lord, please engage me in your service. Love is a current theme, or a current theme, it's a it's a, a perennial theme in human society. And why is that? If you trace back the subject of love, it's much studied, perhaps sometimes not very deeply. Uh, in a culture that analyzes love, like the, Bhag- the culture of the Srimad Bhagavatam, you'll find various phrases for love, just as much as you might find different phrases for snow among skiers. If you're not a skier, you're not going to notice the difference between powder and packed snow. And that's as much as I know. If there's any skiers here, you might be able to say more about it, what to speak if you're an Eskimo. Um, I hope that's a culturally correct term these days. No. What is it? Inuit. Inuit. If you're an Inuit, I've heard Inuits have more than a dozen terms for snow. They oftentimes find themselves living in it, or perhaps all the time. So, it's an important topic in the context of Krishna consciousness and bhakti yoga. Because the ultimate goal of the practice of bhakti is to develop what's called prema. Prema Pumarto Mahan. There are many many and various goals that one may work for in life that have to do with perhaps uh, you could name a few that are common uh, uh, benchmarks for success in, let's say, Silicon Valley. What are some of the basics? Come on, you know more. Yes, money. This means money, right? <laughs> so if you have an, if you have money, how much is enough? By the way, it keeps changing. The standard keeps changing. It used to be, if you earned fifty thousand dollars a year, you were really flying. But nowadays, I think you'd be homeless. <laughs> Definitely be homeless. Uh, and how much do you need to have in a nest egg in order to be completely safe, would you say? That's a hard question for you all. So you're, you're all too philosophically uh, adorned already. What, what can you say? There are various uh, benchmarks for, for success in society, whether it be getting a modicum of wealth or security, having a beautiful family and so forth. All these things are hard to hold on to. As uh, the great commentator or speaker of the Shrimad bhagavatam Shukadeva Goswami said, Deha patra kalatra adesu atmasayne satsapi Tesham pramatu nidhānam paśyanapi na Whatever ways we think we're being protected by the Wealth and the family, and so forth. He said, uh, Don't trust them because they won't last. They're fallible, they'll fall apart at some point. What is the actual standard of happiness for a living being? This was a topic that the sages at Naimasharani brought up. They said, What'll actually make a person happy? In the 1960s and 70s, you can analyze the lyrics of songs and the topics of many speeches. And oftentimes, they are uh, about how material advancement won't lead to happiness. However, what is the replacement? What is it that will actually bring happiness? And it's love. But it has to be a certain kind of love. And this is an important topic because as i've said several times now uh, love is inherent in the li- in the living being nitya siddha krishna prema sadya kabunoy shravanadi shruta chite kare udoi it's inherent we have a natural love or propensity to love it, it's the nature of the living being to love However, that love may be dormant or more likely misdirected. I'm giving my love to temporary situations. Actually, we, we give love to people. We give love to other living entities, although I may also love objects. When I was reading up on buying a car before I bought my first car, I read an article that said, don't love the car. Don't fall in love with the car, because it won't love you back. Also, don't buy a new car. Um, so in the Sri Chaitanya charitamrita Kaviraj Goswami, the author, gives the definition of, of love And then he says what is misdirected love, karmendriya priti, vansha, tari balikam. He says when love is for satisfying one's own senses, and you can tell if it was for satisfying your own senses if you don't get it and you become angry. And uh, then you become uh, despondent. What are some other emotions when you don't get what you want? Parents, can you help us out here? Or anybody, for that matter. Anybody is in a living condition. What happens when you, What? To, how do you feel when you don't get what you want, when it was for your sense gratification? Yeah, OK, you can make a long list. Sounds familiar. All of those mixed together, and a little preparation. That's how. It, one feels with atmendriya priti priti means love so atmendriya means those sense objects that I love, I have to have if I don't get it my way then I feel frustrated and angry and so forth and uh, vansha means I have a desire for them bali kam. this is called kam or lust and then he says krishnendriya priti Icha, Dari Prem. Nam. So the difference analyze it the difference between these two phrases. Atmendriya priti means love for my senses and what's going to satisfy me. And then krishnendriya priti. What will satisfy God's senses? That sounds like an odd concept in to one who doesn't have context because It's like, how am I going to please God's senses if I don't even know who he is? (laughs) And does God have senses? Is there even a God? That leaves one hanging a little bit because then one has to think, well, how will I do some kind of selfless service? And the next thing I think of is how to serve humanity, how to do many noble causes. But there's only one great cause, which is to satisfy the senses of the Supreme. And there's a logic in it that we're all connected to the Supreme just as leaves and branches are connected to a tree's roots and by watering the root then everyone becomes satisfied and there is a universal system through which by satisfying the Supreme then all living entities become satisfied as an example if one performs one's spiritual duty then the laws of nature become more more harmonious And they may, for example, uh, give rain. So it's like, well, rain is just a, a product of atmospheric conditions and pressures and so forth. But where are they coming from? There's a kind of vibration in the universe. And if it's discordant because of people's activities, we have a duty to perform in life. And if I'm out of harmony with my duty, then the vibration of the universe changes and we get unsavory circumstances. Has anybody noticed any of those since you've been around for a while? Uncomfortable or discordant situation in the world ever? When? When? Recently? (laughs) All the time? Okay. So, just as one example given in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, when you do your spiritual duty, and you're thinking not just how to satisfy my senses, but how to satisfy the senses of the Supreme and perform one's spiritual duty, then the laws of nature, which are ruled over by powerful personalities with whom we have an interconnectedness, Uh, then the, the world situation becomes harmonious. So that's one example. So when we please Krishna's senses, then we become naturally happy. And Krishna mentions this in the Bhagavad Gita when he says bhokdaram If tapasam. If you work for me, and if you think of whatever you're doing and the result that you get from your work as an offering to me and you give it to me, then you'll naturally feel peace. And if you try to keep it, which would be what? Atmendriya priti, and covet it, then I, you can't really enjoy it. Have you ever been given, let's say, a million dollars? No, not recently? <laughs> Malati, you didn't get a million from your recent projects? Somebody gives you, okay, 10,000. How do you feel? It's like, why didn't you give me more? Or it's like that's too much. I can't handle it. How am I gonna, you know, take it across the border? They'll probably take it from me. Or do, do I have to report this? And if I do, what's going to happen to my taxes? Ad infinitum. It's very hard to handle anything here in the material world because as soon as I get it in my hand, then it's a problem for me. I can't digest much of anything as a tiny living entity. In fact, Brahma tried to warn Huni Pu when he started a checklist and say, I want the whole universe. I've done enough for you and the devas. I want my share, and it's everything. And Brahma's like, you could try, but don't ask for benedictions you can't handle. And he couldn't handle it, even though he did his utmost to usurp the power of the demigods through his austerities and so forth. His son Prahlad noticed that he lost it in a moment when and moved his eyebrows. Actually, he was saying, when my father moved his eyebrows, everyone cowered. But in a moment, Krishna took it away. So why would I want anything? So this is more towards the side of Krishnendriya priti, that what do I have except my love? And that's expressed in offering to Krishna. And when I please Krishna by giving my offerings with no strings attached, then I naturally feel happy. Krishna makes sure that I'm happy and there is no lack. This is counterproductive, uh, counterintuitive because I have a sense that I have to survive and that if I don't rise in the hierarchy of competing living entities that I'll be eaten alive. Jivo Jiva Sajiva si However, there is a resting place. And it is to uh, give up one's stake in the material world and give everything to Krishna. It doesn't mean you won't have a place to live. It doesn't mean you won't have an opulent lifestyle. But it means you won't have the, all the anxiety that goes with it. Is that a fair deal? Say yes. That's a good idea, right? Correct. So tomorrow is Radhashtami Haribol. And as we began yesterday, Srimati Radharani, um, whom I don't feel qualified to—I uh, to, don't feel qualified to utter her name—but because it's Radhashtami, to me, we're, we're speaking about uh, who she is and what it means to us. It's not just stories, and it's not just the motif on the side of Air India, as the catering wagons drive back and forth to the airplane, the Rasalila and Radharani. But we can understand something about the ontology of Krishna consciousness by knowing, as we discussed yesterday, that there's a difference between the material and the spiritual world, and that in the spiritual world there are servants who have dedicated themselves fully to serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And they're famous for that. Not only famous, but empowered. And as an example, uh, there are devotees like Dhruva Maharaj. And Dhruva Maharaj is famous because he walked away from his kingdom as a small boy, but he wanted something. He received everything he wanted. And he's famous for having given up everything however as he admitted himself swamin kritarte that i i wish that i hadn't asked for anything this is an indicator to us don't you don't need to ask for anything however he's still counted as a very special devotee as krishna says in the bhagavad gita chaturvidhava bhajante mam jana sukritino arjuna if I miss any words out of a shloka, I think it's, I get to have a handicap because I can't, you don't get enough oxygen to the brain. So he, he is counted amongst those elevated souls who approached God for everything. He wanted arta or wealth. But then you have Prahlad Maharaj, and Prahlad Maharaj is the emblem of selfless service because even after he met the Supreme Personality of Godhead who asked him to take a benediction, he said, I don't want anything. I didn't approach you because I'm a merchant. And that's an extremely high standard, except of course, Prahlad didn't actually do anything for the Lord. He just appreciated them and had selfless desire. But then you find devotees like Hanuman, who are famous for their service to the Lord. Selfless service. As we heard the other day, the mood of Hanuman is to always be on call to serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But then there are even more intimate servants of Krishna who are in a relationship of friendship, like Arjuna. And above Arjuna, then we find in the subtleties, Uddhava, who Krishna gave the duty to of going to Vrindavan, because he felt him qualified to observe the selfless service of the residents of Vrindavan, who, after Krishna left them, went on for over 100 years, awaiting for him to come back, so that they could serve him in that environment of Vrindavan and tried to bring him back when they went to Kurukshetra. I know I'm going into a lot of detail now and I'm going to slow down in a a minute for reflections, but I'm coming to a point, and that is there's a hierarchy of perfection in devotional service and it culminates in Vrindavan, as all the Vaishnava scriptures point to us. Uh, We'll take a verse from the Sri Upadeshamrita which describes the hierarchy. Which are pundits over here? We'll recite together, starting with Karmi Bia. No, you got to take a mic and do that. Please lean into it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I Vimukti Padama, pray my condition, stata, deviesta, pasupala, punca, de shasta, piopisada, deca, de satata, viamta, deestadesi, tamnasha, eta, kitty.
0: Can anybody give a, a, just a slight sketch of the hierarchy that Rupa Goswami is describing there? Hint, it starts with karmis, and it ends up with Srimati Pradhramani. <laughs> so show the translation, please. Anybody want to say, before we translate? You get credit before you, we see it, but not as much after. In the Shastra said, of all types of fruit workers, he who is advanced in knowledge of the higher values of life is favored by the Supreme Lord Hudi. Out of many such people who are advanced in knowledge, jnanis, one who is practically liberated by virtue of his knowledge may take to devotional service. He is superior to others. Is there another slide? However, one who has actually attained prema, pure love for Krishna, is superior to him. The gopis are exalted above all the advanced devotees because they are always totally dependent on Sri Krishna, the transcendental cowherd boy. Among the gopis, Srimati Radharani is the most dear to Krishna. Her kund, lake, is as profoundly dear to Lord Krishna as is this most beloved of the gopis." Does that qualify as a hierarchy describing various levels of people who are devoted, including the karmis, who are noted by Srila Prabhupada in his purport to be good souls, because they're following the karmakanda, which is a kanda, after all. But there are Gyanakandas and then Upasanakandas, which is devotional service. And amongst all those who are engaged in devotional service, as I mentioned before, there's a hierarchy leading all the way up to Vraj. And in Vraj, out of all the devotees, which we'll go into more tomorrow, there is one specific devotee who is the best of all. So it's it's not that, I mean, it's all good, but some are better. And that's nice. So, um, what is the quality of Radharani that makes her the best? And it's the purity of her intention in serving Krishna. And that's described in the verse that we're discussing today. And that is that krishnendriya prithi, the the intensity of one's desire to serve Krishna's senses and not one's own. Serving one's own senses is folly. However, to some degree, we have to maintain a stat, the status quo of the body and our family and household and so forth, and that's fully acceptable. However, our intention should be that that is all so that we can be steadily engaged in selfless service to please Krishna's senses. And the emblem, the topmost, servitor, of the topmost servitor or rather I should say the topmost servitor of all the devotees is Srimati Radharani and we're celebrating her appearance day today and tomorrow. So now we'll take some reflections or questions and in answering them. I'm going to read uh, a short uh, excerpt from uh, Prabhupada's writings on this matter. Please ask questions or give reflections. Yes.
2: Thank you so much, Gurumash, for the talk. Uh, I just want to request if you could elaborate more on how uh, Srimati Radha Rani's intentions to serve Krishna are the purest.
0: Yes. I will do so, as I promised, by reading an excerpt from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, because it's well elaborated here. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. Okay, um, we're entering into a highly esoteric section, and this is a Sunday peace program. So if you don't feel you're ready, you can cover your ears. Reading from the Chaitanya Charamita Adi Lila, chapter 4 and I'm on text number 127. Just as I am the abode, Krishna is speaking, of all mutually contradictory characteristics, so Radha's love is always full of similar contradictions. Radha's love is all-pervading, leaving no room for expansion, but still it is expanding constantly. There is certainly nothing greater than her love, but her love is devoid of pride. This is the sign of its greatness. Nothing is purer than her love, but its behavior is always perverse and crooked. All glories to Radha's love for Krishna, the enemy of the demon Mura. Although it is all-pervading, it tends to increase at every moment. Although it is important, it is devoid of pride. And although it is pure, it is always beset with duplicity. Sri Radhika is the highest abode of that love, and I am only its object. I taste the bliss to which the object of love is entitled, but the pleasure of Radha, the abode of that love, is ten million times greater. My mind races to taste the pleasure experienced by the abode, but I cannot taste it, even by my best efforts, how may I taste it? If sometime I can be the abode of that love, only then may I taste its joy." And of course, this section of the chaitanya Charitamrita, highly esoteric, describing how it is that Krishna comes as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as he's noticing that the, the love of, especially one of his servitors, Srimati Radharani, is so great and so sweet. He wants to experience that for himself. Shiraad haya praneya mahima kidrisho vaneya svadyo yina butta madrima Kidrishova maniya saukam jasya mad anubhita kidrisha vetilo. But he's describing. Go ahead. Tadbhava bhava jasamajani sachi garbasindo harindu. He's uh, describing that there's three ways he wants to appreciate the greatness of the love of Srimati Radharani, the sweetness of it, and also the pleasure that she's deriving because he's the supreme enjoyer, but she's enjoying 10 million times more than him because she's the one who's drinking the sweetness of Krishna and appreciating him. So he wants to become the appreciator. So as have, have we described before, we can also enter into that mode. In fact, that's what we're created for. Eko bahu sham, the Lord expands himself into us so that we can appreciate him. So if you want to be happy in life forever, anyone? Okay, only half the room. Everyone else close your ears. Then when you go through, when you go through immigration and they ask you what your occupation is, you can write appreciator. And then in parentheses of Krishna. And that's what Krishna was thinking. I want to be an appreciator rather than be appreciated, because it's it's a bear to be appreciated. Vishaya and Ashraya are two very significant words relating to the reciprocation between love, between Krishna and his devotee. The devotee is called Ashraya, and his beloved Krishna is the Vishaya. Different ingredients are involved in the exchange of love between ashraya and vishaya, which are known as vibhava, anubhava, sattvika, and vyabhichari. These are uh, highly technical terms, which um, you can go into in the nectar of devotion, especially the second half. Text 138, my sweetness is wonderful, infinite, and full. No one in the three worlds can find its fault, find its limit. Only Radhika, by the strength of her love, tastes all the nectar of my sweetness. Everyone okay? Although Radha's love is pure like a mirror, its purity increases at every moment. My sweetness also has no room for expansion, yet it shines before that mirror in newer and newer beauty. There is constant competition between my sweetness and the mirror of Radha's love. They both go on increasing, but neither knows defeat. My sweetness is always newer and newer. Devotees taste it according to their own respective love. If I see my sweetness in a mirror, I am tempted to taste it. But nevertheless, I cannot. If I deliberate on a way to taste it, I find that I hanker for the position of radhika. Who manifests an abundance of sweetness greater than mine, which is never, which has never been experienced before, and which causes wonder to all? Alas, I myself, my mind bewildered upon seeing this beauty, impetuously desire to enjoy it like Srimati Radharani." What is impetuous? Does anybody know the origin of the word impetuous?
1: Um, so impetuous means um it's an adjective it's acting or done quickly and without thought or um care and it's from the late middle English from sorry, it's from old French impetuex and and then it went to late Latin impetuosis and yeah, I think and then it's from yeah, it's very confusing one second. Um. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it went from late Latin, impetere to like attack, and then yeah, and then it and then it went from Old French, impetuex, and then it ended in late Middle English.
0: Does it tell what those words mean in Latin?
1: No, it doesn't say.
0: There, there comes the etymological dictionary.
1: <laughs> yeah, which it's just so in late Latin it just means to attack.
0: To attack, goodness, okay. The beauty of Krishna, thank you. The beauty of Krishna has one natural strength. It thrills the heart of all men and women beginning with Lord Krishna himself. All minds are attracted by hearing his sweet voice in flute or by seeing his beauty. Even Lord Krishna himself makes efforts to taste that sweetness. The thirst of one who always drinks the nectar of that sweetness is never satisfied. Rather, that thirst increases constantly. Such a person, being unsatisfied, begins to blaspheme Lord Brahma, saying that he does not know the art of creating well and is simply inexperienced. He has not given millions of eyes to see the beauty of Krishna. He has given only two eyes. And even those eyes blink. How then shall I see the lovely face of Krishna?" The gopis said, O Krishna, when you go to the forest during the day and we do not see your sweet face, which is surrounded by beautiful curling hair, half a second becomes as long as an entire age for us. And and we consider the creator who has put eyelids, eyelids on the eyes we use for seeing you to be simply a fool." The gopis saw their beloved Krishna at Kurukshetra after a long separation. They secured and embraced him in their hearts through their eyes. And they attained a joy so intense that not even perfect yogis can attain it. The gopis cursed the creator for creating eyelids that interfered with their vision. There is no consummation for the eyes other than the sight of Krishna. Whoever sees him is most fortunate indeed. The gopis said, O oh friends, these, uh, those eyes that see the beautiful faces of the sons of Nanda Maharaj are certainly fortunate. As these two sons enter the forest surrounded by their friends, driving the cows before them, they hold their flutes to their mouths and glance lovingly upon the residents of Vrindavan. For those who have eyes, we think there is no greater object of vision. And so I'm skipping to 164 in which you get the definition. Lust and love have different characteristics just as iron and gold have different natures. The desire to gratify one's own senses is karma, lust, but the desire to please the senses of the Lord is prema, or love. And now we're going to hear a little bit of the purport because this This uh, differentiates now from what we just heard about the quality of spiritual love and also material love. So give us the purport on the screen. And we need a reader. Would you please read the purport?
2: The revealed scriptures describe pure love as follows. If there is ample reason for the dissolution of a conjugal relationship, and yet such a dissolution does not take place, such a relationship of intimate love is called pure.
0: Okay. And can you think of any poem or sonnet that that um, matches that statement from the Shastra from more recent times, as perhaps in Shakespearean times. Can you say a sonnet? Just tell us what it is, and we'll put it up for you. You don't have to look it up. Just say if there is one or not.
2: It's Sonnet 116.
0: Okay, could you put it up, please? There you go. Now you have to re- do a dramatic reading. You know the poem in the sonnet, right? Let's hear it.
2: Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever-fixed mark, that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark whose warts unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's full, though rosy lips and cheeks. Within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved.
0: Now read the other verse from the purport and see if it matches.
2: If there is ample reason for the dissolution of conjugal relationship, and yet such a dissolution does not take place, such a relationship of intimate love is called pure.
0: What is your opinion? Do the two match? Yes. Do you you agree? So this, as I said in the beginning, this is a perennial (laughs) subject. What is the quality of one's dedication and love? And really what we're talking about when we talk about Srimati Radharani is the one who personifies ultimate purity and loving God and we we don't say everyone's the same but we say we can look and see what the symptoms are and understand in ourselves and in others best in oneself however um, of what the quality of my dedication and love is and we have a benchmark and the highest is Shrimati Radharani. That's why we worship her. And we take shelter of her as our main occupation in our practice of devotional service. Not just in our practice, but also in our perfection. Because she exemplifies this quality. What would you say if you analyze this verse and the sonnet, number 116, that Vrindaso uh, aptly brought to our attention? What, what do you think uh, are the... Would you say is the common thread that defines this sense of Krishnendriya priti or pure love? Just in a word or two. Yes, Monisha.
1: In Shakespeare's sonnet, it talks about how um, nothing can stop love; um, even time cannot stop it. And then, in in the translation that we're or in the purport, it kind of says the same that pure love there's no dissolution to it. So, it's, I think a common theme is that nothing can can hinder um, love towards Krishna. Well
0: done. Now please give me a verse from the Shikshashtakam in which we hear the same principle. Call a friend if you need it. Some, I hear a lot of suggestions. That's okay, call a friend. We'll put a lifeline out here. Okay. karikshna
2: uh, yes Prabhuji. so in shikshastakam uh, uh, lord chaitanya says that uh, whether you ashlishya va padaratam pinastum adarshanam adarsanam marmahatam hold
0: that mic right in front
2: yathata tatha vidhatu lampato matprana natasasa eva napara so whether, whether you um, accept me or you reject, I'll still, uh, you are my only object of worship, something like that.
0: Very good. Thank you. Haribo. <laughs> Srivata, tell us more about what the words are. Break them down. From Shiva Paravatampi Nashtamam, please.
3: So so okay, so um basically um this is in the mood of Srimati Radharani, Mahaprabhu was saying that um even, if you even if you don't appear in front of me, even if you don't um even if you um, tell per- the
0: words that correlate.
3: So Adarshanan refers to not appearing before me or giving me darshan. Um
0: what about lampato?
3: Oh, lampata means like a, In English, they would say "devashi, but like it's like the concept of like someone who. Um, Krishna's like like emotionally like emotionally abusing someone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it's like telling Krishna like you even like even though you can you could be like any way you want you could even be like this but regardless of what you do you're my Prananath, you're the lord of my life.
0: So whether you treat me harshly, you ignore me, you go spend time with somebody else just to make me jealous, or you say you're going to show up and then you don't show up, then still, it doesn't break my love. Does that happen in the material world? Are there, are there cases where people, they didn't get what they wanted and then they said, forget it. There's an ultimatum and so say, I can't be with you anymore. But that doesn't happen in the spiritual world. So that's what you're saying. Uh, this is the quality of spiritual life. It's never bro- uh, of spiritual love. It's not broken at any time. Correct. This is the point that you're making. Okay. Any other points about Priti, the quality of love? Is that the only one, or is there more? Yes.
4: it's also the
2: constancy in ups and downs constancy it's not and ups wavering and downs. it's a
0: constant okay. um, regardless of the situation okay thank you so we're studying the quality of pure love since that's our goal right and we have an emblem of that pure love who is shrimati you now let's hear the rest of the purport if you can put it up please where we stopped and everyone uh can you Listen to this purport very carefully, and then we'll get an idea of what what tainted love looks like. Go ahead.
2: The predominated gopis were bound to Krishna in such pure love. For them, there was no question of sexual love based on sense gratification. Their only engagement in life was to see Krishna happy in all respects, regardless of their own personal interests. They dedicated their souls only for the satisfaction of the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. There was not the slightest tinge of sexual love between the gopis and Krishna. The author of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita asserts with authority that sexual love is a matter of personal sense enjoyment. All the regulated principles in the Vedas, pertaining to desires for popularity, fatherhood, wealth, and so on, are different phases of sense gratification. Acts of sense gratification may be performed under the cover of public welfare, nationalism, religion, altruism, ethical codes, biblical codes, health directives, fruit of action, bashfulness, tolerance, personal comfort, liberation from material bondage, progress, family affection, or fear of social ostracism or legal punishment. But all these categories are different subdivisions of one substance. Sense gratification.
0: Just curious, how did you like that list? Come on. You're not going to find a list like that in the New York Times. People praise all these types of things. In fact, in... in, in the opening to the Bhagavatam, Svavitvarehoshchakarai samstata prishapasu nayat karma karna pe to, yeah, it's the oxygen <laughs> that men who are like hogs, dogs, camels, and asses praise others who never praise Gadadgaja, the the one who is um, the supreme personality of Godhead. So. All these uh, subtle ideas about what is noble, perhaps, are all dashed in comparison to the pure love of the residents of Vrindavan, especially Srimati Radharani. The quality is different. There's, as many people point out, you may do philanthropy and say, oh, what a great person, but what do you want in return? Yes, just say. Shvavidbara Hosya korai samshita purusha pashu na Yatkarna." krato peto jata nama yeah Nayat karna peto nama translation is men who are this is very harsh so if you don't like harsh things again cover your ears and your eyes men who are like dogs, hogs, camels and asses praise those men who never listen to the transcendental pastimes of the Lord Sri Krishna the deliverer from evils Pretty harsh, right? Are you all okay? All right, let's go back to our purport, and Vrinda can finish.
2: All such good acts are performed basically for one's own sense gratification, for no one can sacrifice his personal interest while discharging these much-advertised moral and religious principles. But above all, this is a transcendental stage in which one feels himself to be only an eternal servitor of Krishna, the Absolute Personality of Godhead. All acts performed in this sense of servitude are called pure love of God because they are performed for the absolute sense gratification of Sri Krishna. However, any act performed for the purpose of enjoying its fruits or results is an act of sense gratification. Such acts are visible, sometimes in gross, and sometimes in subtle forms.
0: So now we see the juxtaposition, right? We're, we're hearing about the pure love of Srimati Radharani, how it doesn't waver even if there's reason for it to break, if mistreated and so forth. And then there's this sense of self-interest. And this is, a, one may think, sense gratification just means you got a spoon and two gallons of ice cream and you sit in a corner and eat the whole thing. Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> but but uh, there's subtleties. There's the subtlety that I want something in return. And if I don't get it, then it's going to break. Sooner or later, it's going to break, ultimately. And whenever in this world, tell me if I'm wrong about this point, we notice even a, a, a there's a glimmer of self-sacrifice in the way that you, we can tell that the person is not asking for anything in return, then it is noteworthy. More praiseworthy. What do you think? Can you name someone, and I'm not saying they're performing pure devotional service, but someone who is an emblem in the material world of performing selfless service. Yes, Radhakripa, Pardon me? Mother Teresa is the your mother. Okay. (laughs) 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 I just noticed that I I couldn't hear across the room. But there's there's a way in which people, as a token, you know, because there'll be a list of men, and they say we've got to throw a woman in there, so they'll say Mother Teresa. (laughs) And when they're listing others, who who else? Uh, Huh? Who is an emblem in in, human, in in modern society or ancient? That's not, yeah, Gandhi. Did you say? Yeah, Mahatma Gandhi was also praised. You were going to say the same. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm talking about the difference between purely spiritual and those that appear to be noble, but will fall in somewhere on this list. Rupa uh oh, we need a mic over here fast. This is dangerous.
1: Um, I mean, with all due respect to them also, I'm not trying to knock them, but um the people who took down the airplane, the Air flight 93 because they they were like if we're going to die then we might as well save the save the plane from going into the Senate.
0: Yeah, in certain parts of the world they were they very much appreciated. <laughs> right? And others not so much. Uh so uh, we could make a list and we, we could, prob- we could suggest successfully argue that uh, to the degree that someone's edging towards this purity of purpose in their service or in their love, to that degree they are actually considered virtuous in human society. And so now we come to the real thing. And as, as only as radnath Maharaj mentioned in his epic Lecture this morning. Anybody hear it? You had to have been there. I mean, it was fantastic. So he was talking about Srimad Bhagavatam, the culture of Srimad Bhagavatam. Dharma Prodita Kaitavo. He mentioned this verse that you're entering into a zone here where we're leaving all that other stuff behind. We won't take even a shred. Nothing admitted here that has a tinge of this Atmendriya Priti or the sense of Thank you to everybody who's joined us online. Everyone, please offer your base to all the devotees online. Hare Krishna. Haribo. (laughs) Is that Balaram? Haribo. (laughs) So so this is the zone we're entering into in the Bhagavatam. And the culmination of the Srimad Bhagavatam is the tacit, very tacit, description of Srimati Radharani. Look, look up the word tacit, please. I hope I used it correctly. And that is the essence of the practice of Krishna consciousness. If you follow this process and develop even a modicum of this selfless service, which means it's, it's unmotivated. You don't want anything in return at all. Possible? And it's in uninterrupted. Possible? Yeah. That's when your yatma supersediti. That's when your heart becomes satisfied. Kirtan? Is that what it is? Okay. What time is the... Is the or is that my alarm? What time is the... Uh, 1230, okay. Uh, Tacit, please.
1: Um, So, tacit means um, understood or implied without being stated.
0: Yes, that's perfect. Say it again, please.
1: So, tacit means understood or implied without being stated.
0: Implied without being stated. And that's one of the, that's the nature of Srimad Bhagavatam. In fact, it's the nature of poetry. If you come out and say it, it's not really poetry. You have to be indirect. And it's mentioned that the Vedas speak like a king they tell us do this don't do that and then you have the puranas and itihasas they speak like a friend they say you know what if i was you and let me tell you a story by the way <laughs> and the bhagavatam and then there's the kavya kavya means the poetry and it tells you in, in tacit ways what you should do what you should and describes the beauty by looking indirectly you don't in in the culture of the srimad Bhagavatam, you say, I love you. And then this is uh, boorish, practically. You've, you've been um, overbearing, direct. It comes in indirect ways. And that's why we heard Srimad-Aradharani uh, is crooked, just like the braid under hair. And this is referring to the ways in which love is expre- expressed in indirect ways, and that's kavya, or po- poetical ways, the kind of poetry that Sri Taitanya Mahaprabhu relished, especially in his final pastimes in the Gambira. Srimad Bhagavatam speaks to us in all three ways, just as a king, as a friend, and also as a lover, or through poetical language. And the ultimate end of all that is to uh, bring us to the spiritual world, which means to be fully dedicated to selfless service with no motivation and without any breakage in the practice at all. Om Tat Sat. But I have one important other thing to mention very briefly. And that is that in text number 170, Prabhupada writes at the bottom, Sheila Bhaktivinoda Thakur warns us in this connection that we should not mistakenly think that the idea of giving up everything implies the renunciation of duties necessary in relation to the body and mind. Even such duties are not sense gratification if they are undertaken in the spirit of service to Krishna. Found a little clause here. Okay? Good? Okay. <laughs> So that's an important point also when we're talking about pure devotional service and the quality of one's love. It is uh, not exclusive of living your life in the world and maintaining yourself, your family, going to school, whatever, it has to, whatever you need to maintain some um, standing here in this world so you can go on. With, so, and this is the most important clause in my statement, that you can go on doing your service in an unbroken way. Om Tat Sat. Now, we're in the last few days of our um, worldwide marathon to distribute the Srimad Bhagavatam to everybody. Uh, and the more we look at it, the more we see that there is unlimited opportunity in the world to distribute the Srimad Bhagavatam. Because this morning, we looked at a map of Africa. And we noticed that in the whole entire map of Africa, there was only a couple of little spots where there are uh, people uh, distributing Srimad Bhagavatams. And then there's a whole big country. And how do you feel about that? (laughs) Opportunity? Yeah, okay, I'll tell you a story then. There was this a shoe company, and there were two guys. One of them was uh, a senior member of the company, and he wasn't satisfied, he wanted a promotion. Is everyone listening? So then he said, oh, this is getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, I want a promotion. So they sent him, they gave him a ticket to go to a far off place. is an island off of Borneo. And when he landed there, he called back to the company and he said, you guys must hate me. And they said, what's, what's the matter? And they said, He said, nobody on this island wears shoes. This is some cruel joke, isn't it? I'm coming home and I quit. So then there was a junior member, and they gave him the same ticket. He landed there and he called a few minutes later. He said, wow, you guys, how could you be so supportive of just a junior member? And they said, well, what's going on? They said, you just put me in a place, not one person here yet has a pair of shoes. So when we look at the world map, we should think like that. That's how Srila Prabhupada thought. He looked at the whole world and he thought, it's open for business everywhere. Why? Because every living entity is hankering for the same thing. They want this pure love. And how are they going to get it? Srimad Bhagavatam. That's what it's there for. That's why Prabhupada brought it on, on the Jala Dutta and promoted it. What do you think, Malini? Would you like to say anything?
5: I think it's a good idea to promote Srimad Bhagavatam everywhere.
0: Okay. That's, a, that's important advocacy. Well, what should we do? Okay. So let's see if there's any reflections or questions from the, the, the uh, mostly monologue and the readings. Yes.
1: Amaraj, um, I think you mentioned that when we don't get what we want, we get angry. Um, but what if we so what so what so what if um, say like a shipment of like DD dresses got delayed and someone got angry because of that? Would that still count as a desire for yourself? Or?
0: No, that's transcendental anger. And there's, there's a difference in the course. Of course, while we're performing our services, we, we should also remain equipoise. But the emotions we experience as we're doing devotional service and we want something for Krishna's senses and then it doesn't come, we can feel anxious. In fact, we will feel anxious. And... We can also be careful about anger because then how you, we have to realize how useful it is or isn't. Anger can you can lose your anger or you can use your anger. It's very rare that somebody actually uses anger because it's a very high state where you you know you're deliberately exhibiting some kind of anger uh, to correct others. Careful about correcting others also. <laughs> Not everybody appreciates it. Very few people do. Bali. Anyway, it's trans, it's a transcendental, in the course of doing devotional service, the emotions we feel will ultimately be purifying. Good question. Bali Prabhu.
4: Hare Krishna Prabhu. I think you brought a nice point. The whole central theme is Atmendriya and krishnendriya And it's it's not a daily conclusion, but it's a... Concurring a regular basis of reflection to understand because sometimes people conclude, oh, this is Krishnendriya, but the other persons may say it's Atmendriya for me because you are doing your sense gratifications. So it's very essential for actions to be validated against, you know, superiors, authority, or sastras because sastra we cannot validate ourselves. So that's what we need a persons to validate whether it is sense gratifications or it is more towards Krishna's pleasure. And your whole discussions today went through, I really loved it. Thanks okay. for reflection regularly.
0: Thank you, Bali Prabhu. The, an example of this is in the writing of uh, uh, Vaishnava literature. As Prabhupada points out, the Goswamis of Vrindavan didn't write for their own fame. In fact, they wrote for one another. You'll notice that uh, they're writing for each other and they're saying, I'm dedicating this to Sanatan. As Rupa Goswami points out at the beginning of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, I'm writing this for my spiritual master, uh, Sanatan. And Prabhupada points out that uh, don't write uh, spiritual topics to become famous or become a great author, but uh, write them for your own self purification and to please Krishna and the devotees. If they come out, and that's okay, but otherwise, uh, Kaviraj Goswami himself went to take permission from the deity, a garland fell down, and everyone cheered, and all the Vaishnavas said, "Yes, you're anointed. you should write this <laughs> and so I, I very much appreciate your mood. We don't necessarily self diagnose we we should be under in a culture of guidance where we can understand that I'm, it's because it's possible, as Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, in the course of performing devotional service, you may become expert, and then people will come around and say, you're so great. And then you might be swept away and think like, I'm so great, I'm so great, I'm so great, I'm so great. And that's my new kirtan. And I (laughs) I forget, actually, I'm doing devotional service for Krishna. So always stay on this point as... Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says api sunichena toror api amanina manadena kirtaniya sadahari you have to always practice this and we notice in the hierarchy i mentioned earlier when you start going up towards uh, the de, going up the chain of devotees who are listed in the Bhagavatamrita and other elsewhere the devotees uh, deny any semblance of purity in themselves this, this is a problem, actually, because uh, when we listen to it, it hurts our heart. They say, I'm not a devotee. <laughs> Look what I did. I didn't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not good at all. Uh, but that's one of the symptoms of somebody who's advancing devotional services. They don't feel qualified. They feel less qualified the more advanced they get, paradoxically. And when you get to Vrindavan and Srimati Radharani, you get that to the nth degree that she's appreciating everybody else's service and not thinking that much of her her own. Therefore, we shouldn't think, well, we're devotees, everyone else is beneath me. And or I'm in a particular line of devotion and I'm more advanced than everybody else. My method of spreading Christian consciousness is better than everybody else's. These are danger dangerous positions. They don't resonate with the mood of Vrindavan, or the mood of, certainly, of Srimati Radharani, or the or the residents of Vrindavan, whom we are to emulate. Let's see, what else? Yes, one, two.
6: Hi, Krishna. Um, I actually had a reflection about the earlier part of class, like towards the beginning. Um, it reminded me of a verse. May I share it? Please. Um, Prabhu, could you put up a Srimad Bhagavatam 5th Canto, 18th chapter, 21st <coughs> verse. 51821.
0: 51821? Yeah. Can anyone say what it is before it comes up? Keep go- doing it fast though from that side. 51821. It's in the neighborhood of 51812. Which is, yes, ask me, Bhagavatya Bhagavatiya, Kinshana. Is it pra- Prahlad? It's, it's coming, me. right?
6: Yeah,
0: 5.18.21. 5.18.21, please. Okay, go ahead.
6: Could you scroll to the translation? so I'll just read the translation and one paragraph particularly from the purport so the translation says my dear Lord you automatically fulfill all the desires of a woman who worships your lotus feet in pure love however if a woman worships your lotus feet for a particular purpose you also quickly fulfill her desires but in the end she becomes brokenhearted and laments therefore one need not worship your lotus feet for some material benefit and now could you scroll down to the last paragraph of the purport I just thought this really related to what we were talking about today. It says, Lakshmi Devi advises all devotees who approach the Lord with material desires that according to her practical experience, the Lord is Kamadev, and thus there is no need to ask him for anything material. She says that everyone should simply serve the Lord without any motive. Since the Supreme Personality of Godhead is sitting in everyone's heart, he knows everyone's thoughts, and in due course of time he will fulfill all desires. Therefore, let us completely depend on the service of the Lord without bothering him with their material
0: requests. Sadhu, sadhu.
6: So, yeah, so that translation just reminded me that um, the woman who is worshiping the Lord for a particular motive, she becomes brokenhearted because, not because she doesn't get the material desire, but because the material desire, Krishna is already fulfilling that, and what she's missing is the innate need of the soul, which is to love him.
0: Well done. Sadhu, Sadhu. Which takes us to Sadhu Vrindavan and then to Konka.
7: Krishna Maharaj. We were talking about Sh- um, Srimati Radharani, and I was just thinking even though she's the, um, she's an expansion of the Lord, she conquers the Lord. Um, Ajita becomes jita. So I, for, I I I was reading this verse in the Radha Kripa Kitakshakastavaraja, which um, talks about this. It goes like Ananga Ranga Mangala Prasanga Bangu Rabravam Savibrahamsa Sambraham Triganta Bana Patanaini Ramva Sikrita Pratiti Nanda Nandane Kadaka Rishya siha kripaka which um, basically says um O oh, goddess, who playfully shooting the arrows of your glances from the curved bows of your auspicious amorous eyebrows, have completely subdued Nanda's son, Krishna, when will you cast your merciful sidelong glance upon me? And I was also thinking how um, Lord Shiva, he was saying this verse to Parvati. That's what it says here. Um, and I was thinking how even Lord Shiva. Um, uh, wants the sidelog glance of Srimati Radharani. So I was thinking, yeah, if Lord Shiva wants it, we should also want it, because want it, Radharani is the most um, merciful, and uh, she can give you um, Krishna's mercy, and that's how you can go back. to that.
0: I like your points, and I especially like the way you sang that. Ashtakam is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thabir, Thabir. Kanka.
5: Thank you, Maharaj, uh, speaking about Srimati Radharani. And um, as you were reading from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, those verses, um, it reminded me so much of the talks between Ramananda Roy and Lord Chaitanya when Lord Chaitanya was um, asking him, so what's next, what's next, what's next? And of course it came to the highest point of Um, Actually, uh, the love between Srimati Radharani and Krishna is the highest.
0: Can you say that again?
5: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of, the the, as you were reading the Chaitanya-Chartamrita verses, I was thinking also of the talks between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy, how he was giving the different levels and the progression. But, of course, the highest is the pastimes between Srimati Radharani and uh, Krishna and Radharaniya's Madan Mohan Mohini because she even attracts uh, the attractor of Cupid.
0: Yes, thank you, Kanka. As we know, there's there's perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. And so there's never a sense at any level of devotional service to Krishna at which one is uh, dedicated that uh, oh, I'm missing out on something. Every devotee as Sanatana Goswami points out in the Vriyata Bhagavatam Rita, feels fully satisfied. And one of the ways, when we're able to appreciate the devotional service of others, we also participate in the, the, the rewards that they're experiencing and their reciprocation from Krishna through our own appreciation. Please come take prasadam.